All right, Revelation chapter 1. <clears throat> very end of Revelation chapter 1. Pretty close to the very end, right around verse 19. We'll start there. We'll pick it up at verse 19. And um, I ask Brother Marvis, do you mind praying over this uh, Sunday school lesson? Please, Brother, thank you. Yes, Lord. Amen. <clears throat> so we're going through the book of Revelation. It's, uh, John's been exiled on the Isle of Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And we learn that the testimony of Jesus Christ, according to Revelation chapter 19, is the spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy. Jesus Christ is all about prophecy. And you're, you're about prophecy too, believe it or not. Because everyone in this room that's accepted Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, they can tell me where they're going to go. Amen. That's to heaven. And they can, tell you, they can tell you where they're not going to go, which is to hell. And that's a prophecy. You're prophesying like that. So that's a testimony of Jesus Christ. He gives us that testimony. So uh, we're going to look through here. Let me get through this slide right here. This gives you an idea where he was at on Patmos. And here's the seven churches that are going to be written to that we're going to be studying in the next, uh, next few weeks. Uh, the seven churches that Jesus Christ wants John to write to. These were literal churches that were in a literal place. But as we go through it, we'll, I'm going to show you some stuff about that. And uh, I don't have my board set up. But I think we'll be all right. So here's a picture of John on the Isle of Patmos. It's just a rocky place, rocky island, nothing much to it. But he was in a prison camp. A lot of great, a lot of Christians, great Christians through history were thrown in prison. And had pers- were persecuted. Uh, a lot of Christians through history were like that, including John. And this is a picture. Dr. Ruttman drew this picture of what, it, what kind of representation of what maybe John was seeing as, his, as Jesus Christ appears to John in the seven candlesticks surround, uh, surrounding Jesus Christ. And he's holding those seven stars. And he's commanded, he's commanded uh, John to write. And he has him typing on a typewriter. I like that. <laughs> to the seven churches. And he says, write what you see. So if he was seeing this stuff, what would it look like to John when he's seeing battleships and tanks and uh, jet airline, jet planes and all this sort of stuff? And he's trying to describe that to us. And we'll get into that further as we get into the book of Revelation. But he told him to write what he sees. So John saw everything you were going to read. John's seen this with his own eyes. So and here's an idea of where these seven churches are in Padmas. And we're going to start with the church of Ephesus this morning. That's the first church. But before we get going, we need to finish up with... Uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. And Jesus Christ is talking to John, and he says, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. So what uh, Jesus Christ is telling John, he says, I want you to write everything you're going to see, some things that are going to be in the future. So what this says is that John was transported into the future, and he's shown with his own eyes what's going to take place in the future. The days we're living in right now, that's what John was shown. And that's what that verse tells you. He's writing down what he's seeing right now, which is Jesus standing before him with the seven stars, seven candlesticks. But John's also being told to write down what you're going to see in the future. So John was physically, maybe in the spirit, he doesn't know, in the spirit, carried up, transported to the future, and shown the end of everything. That's what you're reading about in the book of Revelation. He's transported to the end. That's how God does things. God's outside of time. God can see, God knows what's going to happen. God knows what's going to happen to you tomorrow. Amen. 
Amen. Yes. Amen, okay? He knows what's going to happen in the future, and that's because God's sitting outside, and God's sitting at the end of time. Now look at verse 20, and it gives an explanation of what this, all these different things are. Verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars, this is Jesus speaking, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. So we're, I was telling you, last week we were reading about those, I said later on he's going to interpret what those are. There's no, if you, a lot of times if, you, if you're confused by something in the Bible, just keep reading. A lot of times the Bible interprets itself. Here, verse 20, he says, here they are. The seven stars, in the middle of verse 20, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. So every one of those seven churches has an angel representing that church. God has appointed every one of those churches to have an angel. Guys, this church here at Indian Gap Baptist Church has an angel protecting this church. Amen. Believe that with all my heart. You have, a, if you're a born again believer, you have a guardian angel that follows you around. But you, this church is a, has an angel, and there's a demon that's associated with this church too. The devil has a demon he's put against this church to fight specifically against this church. Now, if this church is a church that's not doing something for the Lord, that's dried up, and the candlesticks been took away, the devil's not going to be messing with this church, and the Lord's not going to be messing with this church. It'd be dead like a tomb. But when you feel the Holy Spirit moving in here, I can guarantee you when God moves, the devil moves. I guarantee you it's happened in my life. <clears throat> Excuse me, I see it happen in this church and in churches I've been in. So those seven stars are angels of the seven churches. So stars, a lot of time in the Bible, are represented by angels, and angels are represented by stars. Here's something interesting about that. The city of Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Angeles. Angels. Lost city. City of angels. What do we know is out there at the city of angels? Stars. Movie stars. That's what they're called, amen? Kind of weird. But not the kind of stars that God puts up, amen? So, so I'm showing you the devil follows. What the devil loves to do is mimic what God's doing. He mimics God in his apostles. He mimics God in his, he mimics God in his preachers, in his ministry, in the church. The devil loves to mimic God. Now, Antichrist is not going to appear with, the, with horns. The Antichrist is going to appear like Jesus Christ. But we're going to know, the world's going to know, that has the Bible's going to know, that's not Jesus Christ, okay? But that's what he's going to appear as. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So those, those candlesticks that you're seeing here, here's another picture of maybe what it would look like. Those all represent churches. And these stars represent the angels that represent those churches, that help those churches out. Now, I like the way Dr. Ruckman drew, drew it right here, because see how he drew it here? He drew, didn't draw it like as a candlestick, like what we think was a candlestick. He drew it like a candlestick. This is a candlestick. This is the candlestick, and right here is the oil. That's like it was in the temple. In other words, there's oil there to run that candlestick. Like you have a, you, you, Some of y'all have candles like that at home where you have the oil you can heat up, and it lights up like a heating lamp, that's what that, and if you know anything about the Bible, the oil is the Holy Spirit, amen, okay, so if your candlestick is burning, which your church is burning, that means the Holy Spirit's there and is moving, and, is, and God's moving in that church, now when God gets tired of a church, or a church doesn't do what God wants it to do, what Jesus Christ wants it to do, he'll just take that candlestick out, he'll just remove it, we're about to see this in Ephesus, he just, just takes it out, that's why you see some churches, like over here at, uh, Pottsville, completely shut down. Baptist church, completely shut down. Some guy bought it. I think he's living in that church. Amen. That's a church that God took the candlestick away. 
They, they didn't do something right, and the Holy Spirit left, dried up, it's gone. Without the Holy Spirit, this place will dry up. we got to have the Holy Spirit. So that candlestick represents the church. We want to be a church that shines in this community. Amen. Amen. That's what a candlestick does. It shines in darkness. So where there's light, there can be no darkness. So we want to be a light to this community. And you yourself personally need to be a light to your community, to your workplace, to your family. That's what we're trying to be. So now let's go into chapter 2. Chapter 2. Until the angel, now, now we're going to get into, from chapter 2 up to chapter 4, he's going, to, he's going to address each one of these churches separately, individually. And uh, these, were, these were distinct churches. But what we're, going to, what we're going to teach and what we're going to learn about these churches is, these churches represent church history, periods in church history. And what you can do is, each one of these churches, it's real unique how it happens. And it's not unique in the sense that we know God works this way. God is a great designer. He's a great, intelligent designer. And he designed this stuff out to where you can take church history and you can apply it to each one of these churches. As we go through these churches, I'm going to show you how each one of these churches, Ephesus and Pergamos and Philadelphia, and we get to Laodicea. We're living in the Laodicean church. Each one of these churches, even though they represented an actual church in that time, they also are representing periods of church history. Now, these dates I'm going to give you as we go to each one of these churches. Like the first church is Ephesus. I'm going to give you the date of 33 A.D. to about 200 A.D. This church represents church history as about 33 A.D., about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, to about 200 A.D. Now, this is not set in stone. You'll see some preachers and some teachers that will teach that these give you different time periods. I'm going to give it to you as 33 A.D., the 200 A.D., I believe that's what Dr. Ruttman teaches too. And, that, and I'll show you why that is And when we get to Pergamos, which is the next church. It has to do with the Catholic Church and the marriage of the Catholic Church to government and to, and to the government. Okay, let's look at Ephesians, I mean, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 1 with the Ephesus. So Ephesus means full purpose. The word Ephesus means full purpose. You want to write that down, full purpose. Ephesus means full purpose. The church at Ephesus. Ephesus means full purpose. We're going to write down 33 A.D. to about 200 A.D. This is a picture of Ephesus today if you were to be able to go over and visit Ephesus. Until the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. So, First off, we know that Jesus Christ knows our work here at Indian Gap Baptist Church. He's watching what we're doing. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Sunday school, He knows my work and He knows each one of y'all's work. Y'all have a work to do. He says, I know thy works. Guys, we're not working working and living in a vacuum. God is watching us. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. He's beholding what we're doing. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars. Liars. Here's some more pictures of what Ephesus looks like today. It's a real beautiful place. See, this is amazing to me. You know, we live over here in Texas and if something's 100 years old, that's old, amen. You're like, oh, that's 100 years old. This church is right at about 100 years old, over 100 years old. This church is right here. 
Man, this thing is thousands of years old. This is that's why I would love to go to Europe and tour, tour Europe. You know, I love all this stuff. It's hard to see some of these pictures because we have the lights on, but I don't want to turn the lights on off. So y'all, I want you to be able to read your Bible. But thus, try them which say their apostles are not, and has found them to be liars. Now I wrote down here Second Corinthians chapter eleven verse thirteen. That verse tells you that there was false apostles. Paul's talking about false apostles at that time. And 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 tells us that Paul says that an apostle had signs and wonders that he did. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 12. He had signs and wonders that he did. So to be an apostle, you had to have signs and wonders, and you had to walk with Jesus Christ. According to Acts chapter 2, verses 21 and 25, Peter said we need to find somebody who walked with Jesus Christ from the beginning, and that he could be with us with this, was a witness of his resurrection. So that was part of an apostle. So when you have somebody living today who says, I'm an apostle, you know that guy's a faker. Because first off, he's had to have seen Jesus Christ with his own physical eyes. And secondly, he's going to have to do a sign or a wonder in front of you. That's why you have these people who have these churches like real strong over in Georgia. Well, they pick up snakes and they dance around with snakes. Because, you know, a snake, if they get bit by a snake, it won't harm them. And they get bit by a snake, the arm swells up, some of those pastors die. This is kind of nonsense. And if you watch them, they'll have like this glass of water. They supposedly have, have poison in it and they're drinking it. Because that's what the sign of an apostle is. That's a sign of, of uh, somebody that Jesus Christ has given these signs to. That we're going to be able to do this stuff. Guys, we don't have anybody today who's doing that. They're false apostles. So you have a lot of false apostles. I'm not saying God can't give you the ability to do something. But a lot of these guys are fakers. You see on TV and stuff, they're standing up saying they're healing people, slapping them on the front of the head, doing these kind of false signs. That's what the Antichrist is going to fool the people with. We're going to find that in Revelation 13. Lying signs and wonders. Even being able to bring fire down from heaven. So... That's a sign. So Jesus Christ saying there was apostles back then at the time of the first church, which is Ephesus, church, first church history period, that were doing, that were saying, hey, I saw Jesus Christ, I walked with Jesus Christ, and they were liars. And that's what the Bible says right here. And are not, has found them liars. So when I use the word liars, when I talk about some of these false ministers, false preachers you see on TV, I'm using a biblical term. So don't go, oh, Brother Keegan, you're being too mean. I'm saying exactly what Jesus Christ said. Amen. They're liars, Amen. okay? Because they need to be called out as liars. They're giving me and you a bad name, guys. Amen. That's why people laugh at Christianity, because those fakers like that, okay? Back at verse 5, or verse 3, and has borne and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Guys, that's a great and important verse in verse 3. Jesus Christ says, For my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Everything we're doing here is for the name of Jesus Christ. Everything you do should be for the name of Jesus Christ. This church is supposed to be glorifying Jesus Christ, and glorifying the name of Jesus Christ, and edifying the saints. That's what we're here to do. But more, the most important thing we do is glorify the name of Jesus Christ. With everybody on that board that we're sending money to as missionaries, we're praying and sending them money so they can glorify the name of Jesus Christ all over the world. Amen. And what we're trying to do here is glorify the name of Jesus Christ here in, at Indian Gap area, in Hamilton area, in this whole area. 
So if we stop doing that, God will take this candlestick away. I don't want that to happen, but that's what happens. But verse 4, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Okay, so the Lord says, I'm, the Lord's really commending them, but now he has something he's going to tell them that he's not happy with. Nevertheless, verse 4, I have somewhat against thee. Why? Because thou hast left thy first love. Left the first love. What's our first love? Your first love should be foremost Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have your Bibles open, turn to John 14. Please, John 14. John chapter 14, verse 23. Look what Jesus Christ has to say. Your very first love should be Jesus Christ, and secondly should be His words. And His words are found in that book that you have in your lap. You've got his words uh, preserved and pure sitting in your lap. And God made sure you got his words. Verse 23, look at John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, we want to love him, he will keep my words. So you know how you find somebody that's really in love with Jesus Christ? They're in love with the word of God. Okay, that, that goes hand in hand. You can't tell me you love Jesus Christ and then you don't have anything to do with the Bible. It don't, that don't work. And it, it, I've seen it happen over and over again. But I found somebody that really loves Jesus Christ. They love the Word of God. You know what I found out too? If I find out somebody loves that Word of God, they really love Jesus Christ. Go, it goes hand. If you love me, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him. You want God to love you? You've got to keep Jesus Christ's words and love him. And we, who's that? The Father and Jesus Christ will come unto him and will make our abode with him. That's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. See, guys, that's, that, that verse right there speaks of the Trinity. There's Jesus Christ, we, Jesus Christ, God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, that speaks of that we will come unto him and make our abode with him. See that in verse 16? Look up at verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, capital C, that's the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you for how long? Forever. Eternal security. You've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost abiding in you. So you've got Jesus in you, you've got the Father in you, you've got the Holy Spirit in you. That's a trinity. That's what we call the trinity. It's dwelling in you. And that's why, because you love the Father and you love Jesus Christ, you love his words. So Jesus, back in Revelation, Jesus Christ is, is getting on to them because they've left their first love. Do you remember how it was when you first got saved? I was on fire for the Lord. I mean, I wanted to tell everybody I knew about Jesus Christ. And I remember there was this joy I had, and this happiness. I was, felt so clean. I couldn't wait to get baptized. I was going to get baptized later on that night, and I was so excited. We need to go back to that love Amen. and remember it. The only way I can illustrate this to you is, remember how you fell in love with your wife or your husband? Remember how you acted when you fell in love? You had to be on the phone all night long with them, talking to them. You had to talk to, now, you're, now that you're married to them and living with them, you ignore them all day long. You're hoping they don't talk to you and don't keep you up at night when you lay in bed. <laughs> You'd open the door for her. You'd do all this stuff. For her. That's called the first love. We need to get back to that as couples. We need to get back to loving our wives, loving our husbands like we did. 
Because the question I have for you is, if you treated your spouse like you treated them today, do you think you would win them over? Talk them into, I don't think so. Hate to say it, but I think. We need to act like we're trying to win them over again every day. That's the kind of love we need to have for Jesus Christ. We need to treat Jesus Christ like he really deserves to be treated. Man, he did all this stuff for you. See, what happens when you get saved, you realize right then, and the Holy Spirit comes in, you realize, man, I got this great thing, I'm clean, I'm going to get to go to heaven, all this sin, all this guilt's been washed away, you got all this, and you forget, after so long, you forget what God's done for you, and get away from his words, you forget what Jesus Christ has done for you. Guys, we need to go back to that. And that's what Jesus Christ is reminding them, you've left your first love. All right, back in verse 5, Revelation 2, verse 5. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent. It's okay for a Christian to repent, guys. (laughs) Repentance is not just for lost sinners. Repentance is for Christians. Okay? We need to learn that we're sinners. Even though we're saved, we're still sinners, and we need to repent. we got things to repent of. And stop being so self-righteous. I know I I preached real hard on this last Sunday, but the Lord really laid it on my heart, is it? As a Christian, we get to where we're self-righteous like a Pharisee. And look, I'm glad I'm not like him. I'm glad I'm not doing that like that. And God said, he's, this guy, the Pharisee is not commended. It's the guy that got on his knees and smote his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven. That's being justified before God. So as a Christian, we need to have that kind of attitude. And remember that we're just sinners just like they are. The only difference between us and them is that we're going to heaven thanks to Jesus Christ. We took that free gift and they haven't taken it yet. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place. Except thou repent, God will take you and take this church and remove it. I know I just talked about this a couple minutes ago, but God will take this church and just clean it out, and this thing will turn into a bar or turn into somebody's house or something. Because God will leave it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I've been in church. There's a church in Brownwood. Uses the same Bible we use. Uses the same hymns we use. Does everything like I would do it. I walk into that church. It feels like a tomb. Man, I go in there and I'm like, what is wrong with this place? Man, they're using the right book. I mean, the preacher seems to be an okay guy. But it's as dead as a doorknob. And the only thing I can tell you is, is the Spirit has left this place. I don't know what, I'm not around the church to know why the Holy Spirit's left this place. But the Spirit has left this. I don't want this church to turn into that. I, I mean, I'm not saying, I don't ever want, I, I, we're never going to be perfect. We're going to have faults. I'm not saying the best preaching in the world is coming out of this church. But I want, when somebody comes in, I want to say, hey, these people are real and the Holy Spirit's moving. That's what, I, that's, what I want, that's what I want out of here. And that's because I want Jesus Christ to be glorified by that. And I don't want the Lord to come in and remove our candlestick. You know, uh, speaking of leaving our first love, I remember when I was really, really down and out, and I was going through a lot of bad problems, and my wife had left me and uh, and divorced me, and I was down and out. I called Chad Reese, was talking to Chad Reese, and you know what Chad Reese's advice to me was, Pastor Chad Reese? Remember remember him from last year? Came in and preached. He said, Brother Keegan, I can't answer your problems. I don't know what all your problems are, but I can tell you one thing you need to do. I said, what's that, Brother Chad? He said, you need to fall back in love with Jesus Christ. You know, and here I was thinking, man, that's good advice. I, mean, I don't, I had fellow, I had gotten so concerned about myself and had turned so inward that I had forgotten about just fall in love with Jesus Christ. Cast all your care on him. Let him handle all these problems. Amen. Man, it just changed my life. That's great. It's so simple. 
but great advice. Just fall back in love with Jesus Christ. Here's verse 6, very important verse. This changes a lot of things. But this thou hast, talking about the first of the church, that, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Jesus Christ just said there's something that he hates. Jesus, yes, Jesus. And he says he's commended them because they hate it too. And he says it's the deeds of the Nicolaitans. What are the deeds of the Nicolaitans? Nicolaitan is a word that stands for Nico, which is to conquer. Conquest or conquer. And laos or laity is the people. It, that word means to conquer the people. That was a teaching of a clergy top class that was over the people. That was a teaching that you had a clergy, a class of people in this religious system that was ruling and conquering the people, the laity. Now, what is that? That's the modern-day Catholic church, guys. That's the Catholics. And you'll know, as we go through church history, you're going to see the, in, the, in Pergamos, you're going to see the Catholics rise up, and they're going to take control of this thing, and the devil's going to get in the middle of that, and it's going to be the biggest mess up until this day you've ever seen in your life. And it all started with the Nicolaitans. Which, what did Jesus Christ say? He, what about what did Jesus Christ say about them? He said, "I hate that." I remember growing up, my mom would say, "Don't use the word hate. That's a strong word." Man, I wish I'd known that verse in the Bible. <laughs> Jesus said, "Hate," <laughs> and I would have told my mom, "But Jesus hated things. He hates it. He hates this stuff right here." Can y'all see that picture? That's a picture of the Pope. With all his long robes. See that little hat he's got on right there? That's a fish hat. Does that look like a fish's mouth? You know where that comes from? That comes from the Babylonians from the Dagon. Remember the story of Dagon, the fish god? That's what they would wear. They would wear a hat that had that. It looks like a fish's mouth. Dagon, the fish god. All this stuff traces back to Babylon. Thousands of years. Here's another picture of Pope Benedict. This, this is the Pope before the Pope we have today. Looks like a real friendly guy sitting on his golden throne. Wouldn't you want to go talk to him about your problems? Here he is in his golden throne, waving his hands. He's got the staff. See, if you see a cross that has Jesus Christ on it, that's a, that's a Catholic cross. That's not a Christian cross. Jesus Christ is not on that cross, guys. He's out of the tomb. He's resurrected. So you see somebody wearing that cross, that's a Catholic cross. Here's, a, here's something like here. It says a vow of poverty. He says you're, not doing, you're doing it wrong. That's what it says right here. Yeah, here's a guy telling you to feed the poor, and he's sitting on a golden throne with all these robes and everything. Y'all need to feed the poor. Hey, bud, why don't you start with yourself? Instead of telling me, I'm still trying to pay the taxes my government makes me pay, and you want me to feed the poor b worth billions and billions of dollars, the Catholic Church, sitting on all that money. Here they are kissing the Pope, Pope's hand. Can you imagine one of y'all coming up here? Can you imagine Joker coming up here and kissing my hand like that? <laughs> I mean, this stuff's ridiculous. 
Who would fall for this? Somebody's blinded their eyes. Amen. Catholic Church is millions and millions of people strong. Here it is, faith. Not quite as effective as two inches of bulletproof glass. And this is the Pope in the, in the Pope mobile. And it says faith, not as effective as two inches. In other words, it takes a lot of faith to drive around. You've got your little safety shield up so nobody can assassinate you, you know. That's living by faith, amen. Yeah, uh-huh. See, I know this is cynical. But uh, you know what? I, that's why I'm, I'm a cynical kind of guy. I kind of got a dark humor to me. Amen, brother. Okay, so this is your new Pope, Pope Francis. And this is a Catholic picture that I found on the internet, and this is what they call him, His Holiness. His Holiness. Now, how, how wicked is that? Can you imagine somebody coming, hey, there's Brother Keegan, His Holiness. Don't even, I shouldn't be, I'm not a reverend. You're not supposed to reverence me. I'm a minister. That means I'm supposed to minister to y'all. My job, Jesus Christ said, is not to be y'all to serve me. It's for me to serve you. Amen. And I'm going to show you these verses. We're not going to get to it today, but I will excuse me, show you these verses. I'm supposed to be serving y'all. You're not supposed to serve me. You're for sure not going to call me your holiness. Amen. If anybody, go talk to my wife about how holy I am. She'll just set you straight pretty quick. Here's that same Pope Francis. He was on The Advocate. Anybody know what The Advocate magazine is? That's a queer magazine. That's a gay advocate magazine. That's a magazine that's, that promotes the gay lifestyle. And they called the Pope Francis the person of the year. And the reason why they called him the person of the year is because he, he was quoted as saying, If someone is gay and seeks the Lord with good will, who am I to judge? He's trying to get the gays to come into the Catholic Church. You know, whereas we're preaching the Word of God and what the Word of God says about homosexuals, he's trying to just be less judgmental and let them come on in. And the Advocate Magazine, you think, you think my picture's going to line up on the Advocate Magazine? <laughs> With some of the things I preach from this pulpit? I troll not. <laughs> it's King James for I think not. See, N-O-H-8, no hate. See, you're hating, you're hating on them when you, when you preach against homosexuals in their mind. And this is another picture of, Prof, and he's got the same Dagon hat on. See that? That's a fish god hat. And I've got books to back some of this stuff up. I'm just not popping my mouth off. I've got books to back this stuff up to show you old engravings where these Babylonian priests were wearing the same type of hat. I've got the book at home, if you ever want to borrow it from me. A thick book like that. This stuff, I'm not just popping my mouth off. This stuff is well known. You just gotta, you're not going to hear it on CNN, though. Okay, you got to turn off A&E and Discovery Channel and get a good book by a Bible believer and read it. Let me say something and close it. There's nothing wrong with reading, guys. Number one, there's nothing wrong with picking up God's words and reading His words He has for you. And number two, picking up a good Bible book and reading it. You can learn all this stuff yourself. This isn't something I'm learning, teaching you. That's oh, it's something new, some new revelation Brother Keegan had. No, this is called just teaching you what's already out there. This stuff's been out there for thousands of years. But you're not going to find this stuff out watching CNN or A&E or Discovery Channel. You're going to have to turn that dumb YouTube tube stuff off. And, and read. 
and you'll get the truth. The truth's not hidden. It's just hidden to lazy people. It's hidden to lazy people. If you're lazy and don't want to study, God's not going to give it to you. Now, you're, you're willing to get up and take a shower and come on in here on a Sunday morning, he'll give it to you. Amen. Somebody turned their TV off and came in here. Amen. Amen. I'm not getting on to you. I'm just telling you. There's a truth to that. You, got, you know, it takes effort to do this stuff. You know, like people I invite to come to church, well, I don't know if I can get up that early. You know, like about 11 o'clock in the morning, okay? These are the same people. Now, this is no joke. Same people. I go by the soccer field at 8 o'clock in the morning. They're out there with their kids. Their kids are out there kicking that soccer ball. 8 o'clock in the morning. You know, 45 degrees. You know, got coat and everything on, freezing. I just want to stop. I'm in a trash truck when I see them doing this. I want to stop my trash truck and roll down my window. It's like, the church is warm. You know, we keep the heater on in the church. We have seats. Because they're all standing up watching their kid freezing. But see, because the, they, they love their kid. And I love my kid too. And I've done some silly stuff for my kid. Watching him play sports. But they love their kid over God. I'm not saying it's wrong to go to a soccer game, guys. I'm not saying it's wrong to get up in the morning and do that. I'm just saying it's wrong when you do that and you're not doing something for God. Amen. You need to put God first and then do this kind of Amen. stuff. That's what's the silliness. And then tell me I can't get up in the morning, you know. I don't have the clothes to wear. Or like, I don't have the clothes to wear. First off, if you've ever been in my church, you'll know you don't have to have the clothes to wear to come in here. And second off, how much are you paying for those soccer cleats, those soccer clothes, those so yeah. for them to go out there and play that game? Amen. But you don't have the money to buy the clothes to come to church? I can't wait till they stand before a holy God Amen. and answer when he asks them questions like that. Now tell me what, <laughs> I didn't have the money to buy the clothes. And then he starts rewinding their life. We all know it's not about the clothes. I had people come in here in church and shorts and stuff like that. And I didn't say a word to them. That's okay. You just show up however you want to show up. I'm not going to judge you. That's between you and the Lord and the Holy Spirit. All right. We're going to stop here because we're running out of time. We'll pick this up next week. But see, this is a picture, and you can't see it, but I'm going to turn off the lights so you can see it a little better. This is a picture in Brownwood, Texas of the Catholic Church. You can't see it real good. But right here is the Ten Commandments. And this church is called the St. Mary Queen of Peace. Catholic Church. And this is in Brownwood, Texas. Now, next Sunday, we'll get, well, it won't be next Sunday morning, guys, because we have Brother Harold Pierce coming in. We're going to have a great revival next weekend. Amen. And we're going to have a good time in the Lord. But the following Sunday, we'll get caught back up. We'll get back up on Revelation. We'll turn this thing back on, and I'll show you what this is. This is the Ten Commandments. It's out there for anybody to see, with eyes to see. And what's the problem with these Ten Commandments is simply this. They changed the Ten Commandments. There's a Catholic version of the Ten Commandments. They got their own version of the Ten Commandments. So what did they change, Brother Keegan? Well, same channel, next week, same, <laughs> next two weeks, same channel, same time. Show up and we'll, we'll talk about it. I'll maybe give <laughs> And if you, you don't want to wait for me, go look it for yourself. This is not something that I'm teaching that's not that's new. It's out there on the internet or out there in books. You can find it. Go get the Catholic, what they call the Catholic Ten Commandments. Go get Exodus chapter 20. Read them together. You'll find out what they change.
If you, if you can wait, I'll show you next in a couple of weekends. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thanks so much for loving us, taking care of us, Lord God. Thank you for your words. Lord, thank you for the truth. It's just out there, Lord God, that, you're not, that there's no way the devil can hide this stuff, Lord God. It's out there for anybody to find. And, Lord God, thank you for men and women that were willing to die to get us your words into our lap, Lord God. And, Father, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit's the one that taught us this morning, that led us and guided us, Lord God. And, Lord, we're just praying that Jesus Christ was glorified and lifted up in every way. I'm praying this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right.